Life Church created this podcast because we all need healthy conversations with real people. So this podcast is here to help you start conversations with your life group, friends, and family. Now, on to the show. Welcome back to the You've Heard It Said podcast. This is Allie. And this is Jason. And I actually planned a game for us today. Isn't that usually my thing? Yes, but probably because you changed the rules in the middle. Well, like, is it a game if nobody tries to change the rules in the middle? Yes. And also, what is your game? Okay, so first of all, every game requires that no one changes the rules in the middle. That's Ah, part of games, Jason. (laughs) But second of all, okay, so it's not really a game. It's kind of more like I have this theory and we're going to test it with a series of questions. So basically, I'm going to ask a question and then we both have to answer. This is why I normally come with the games. (laughs) Whatever, you're a punk. Okay, so the first one, do you look at spoilers? No. No? Okay, I I really wish that I didn't, but I do every time. So, okay, do you bake from scratch or from a box? From scratch. What? Seriously? Without without recipes. So how do you know what to do? (laughs) Okay, so I do sometimes use recipes, but yes, from scratch. Okay, well... Your next level. Often without recipes. Okay. Well, I use a box, so it's fine. Okay. So do you read books or do you just read the back and spark note the rest? I read books and actually lately I listen to them, but yeah, I read books. Okay. Yeah. Books are the one thing I can't spoil. So agreed. So games, do you change the rules in the middle (laughs) or do you go with the agreed upon rules? From scratch. (laughs) That's not even a thing. (laughs) But no, I follow the game rules because I'm a normal person. So does that mean I win this game? No. Basically, it wasn't a real game. It was testing my theory, which I think we proved. Basically, I think that most of us like to avoid the middle, except with brownies, because then, of course, everybody's going to fight over the middle piece in the pan. So I actually like the edge of brownies. like what? The crispy, yes. Who are you? And it's probably you? because I don't use the box to make brownies. I make them from scratch, and they're delicious. The edge is all buttery. Also, the edge of lasagna and pizza crust and cookies, really anything with edges, I like. But I do think I know what you're saying. Okay. Which is that most of us just want to go through life knowing what's coming next and, like, enjoying that uh, nice part in the middle and skipping the hard edges. Yes, basically. I think when we go through hard things, I know that I do not like to experience pain. So I just kind of fast forward to the part where I feel better, especially if I'm sad or I'm dealing with negative emotions. And as much as I wish I didn't, I do it with other people too sometimes. So if somebody's struggling or going through something, it's really hard for me to just kind of sit there with them. I often Mm -hmm. just kind of want to swoop in with like a helpful statement or be like, hey, everything's going to be okay. But one thing that I'm learning, especially after our episode 19 about grief, is that it is okay to not always be okay. But even when you're not okay, there is still hope. And to drop another episode in there, that reminds me of last week with Clay when he talked about how we need to kind of experience that good kind of pain. Mm -hmm. And for anyone who wants to listen to either of those episodes, we'll link to them in the conversation guide at the end. But here's today's big question. Where is God when life hurts? Hmm. 
So for today's story, I phoned a friend, Adrienne Manning. She actually works in Pastor Craig Rochelle's office, and everyone thinks of her as the fun and the energy in the room. Like, she seriously just radiates joy. But as you'll find out from her story, life has given her plenty of reasons not to radiate joy. Well, Adrian, thank you so much for making some time to be on the You've Heard It Said podcast. I'm really excited to have you and hear your story. Oh my gosh, Allie. I love this podcast and I love that we have this space to talk about real things. Oh, well, thanks. Okay, so I actually want to pick up in the middle of your story. Could you tell me about what your life was like right before you met your husband? Oh my gosh. Of course you had asked me that question. It was... (laughs) It was a hot mess. Wow. I had just had my first child, uh, my son, Aiden, and I was a single mom. I was honestly just really lost. Before having Aiden, I kind of like had this weird detour in my life where I stepped back from church and my life group, my friends, and even like my real family. And surprise, Mm -hmm. I get pregnant. And literally the first person I called um, was my old life group leader. Her name was Terry. And I hadn't talked to her in almost a year. And I call her, which is weird. And it's like nothing had changed. We picked up right where we left off. And I'm like, Terry, I'm pregnant. Oh my gosh. And for the next few months, she was just my friend. No gimmicks, no sales pitches, nothing. It was just her loving me and sharing her life with me. And her and her husband invited me to live with them while I picked up the pieces of my life and I started to heal. And I have my son and I still live with them. And they had continued to have our life group. Even though I lived in the house, like they never pressured me to come. They actually were like, you have a safe place. We'll watch your son. So here's my life, right? I mean, I'm single. I'm living with my life group leaders, which is fun and it was free, but it was not the best thing. I was taking time to heal and I was slowly coming back to life. And on one Sunday, I come downstairs and there's this new guy in the life group. And I'm like, what? He is so cute. So for the first time, and at least a couple of years, <laughs> I stayed for the life group. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> yeah, and and that in that cute guy obviously ends up being my husband now. His name's Danny. Oh wow. Okay. Well, I want to ask what happens next, but first, <laughs> what caused you to leave uh, that life group in the Ooh, first place? Oh, you trying to get real here? Okay. So <laughs> I don't know. It was just like one small decision in the wrong mm-hmm. direction leading to another decision and another. And a year into this lifestyle, I was so far from where I needed to be. And that's a nice way of saying I was living a life of sin. And I unintentionally began that life. And I kind of just made a decision to go downstairs at the life group and stay. And that was me. That was my process in coming back. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I love that Terry was so accepting. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We're still friends. Like we don't talk as much as we used to, but she is a mentor and just like a big sis to me. She's fabulous. I love her. That's amazing. Yeah. So what happens when you meet Danny? Oh my gosh. Right. So he had actually just left a long-term relationship and I was a super hot mess. So honestly, all of, we just really wanted to be friends, like really. And we hung out for a long time. He was raised in the church and took a long detour, much longer than mine. And in the last year before meeting me had just started to come back on his own. So finally we go on a real date 
and another. And we started mm-hmm. attending church together. We were both going on our own, but then we like actually sat next to each other. It was very middle school. Oh. And, and we started, we started serving together. And anyway, so we had joined another life group together after ours had had stopped meeting. And I'm still in contact with everyone. Like we're all like great friends. And even Aiden's dad, crazy enough, he saw the life change in my life. He had met Danny and saw, you know, his life. And he started going to life church at a different campus. And what's really crazy is I introduced him to his now wife. I introduced Aiden's dad to his wife. I know, I know, I know. It's such a weird story. It actually is funny. So she is Aiden's old life kids teacher. And one day I just honestly felt like this sounds hokey, but like a spirit's prompting, like this woman would be so great for Rich, which is Aiden's dad. And I, so I asked her, I was like, Hey, would you be interested in going out with my son's dad? And of course she was like, wait, <gasps> what? <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, let me explain. Let me explain. Let me say, like, I'll just give you his number. And they are happily married. They have three kids. They're like living their best life. And I mean, I hate to sound like so cheesy, but like life is good. Her and I get along great. Rich has a great relationship with us and, and Aiden, and his son. Obviously, Danny and I got married and we've been married for about 11 years and we have kids of our own. Mm-hmm. And eventually I landed on staff uh, at Life Church. oh, about nine years ago. And as they say, the rest is history. Oh, wow. Well, congratulations. So it sounds like everything has this nice bow. Like you're married to this great guy. You have this awesome job. You have a great kid. So like, is your life just smooth sailing all the time? I mean, I wish. I really wish. And anybody, side note, if anybody tells you that their life is always smooth sailing, they are trying to sell you something, first of all. So (laughs) no, it was not smooth sailing. This cute little button of a story seems like it happened in like a 30-minute episode. But really, it was years, like years of pain and of promise. Like we all have Mm -hmm. these like our little form story, but Mm -hmm. no one like really knows the middle of our story, right? Like we may tell them how bad things were and then how great things are now. But Allie, the middle is messy and it's Mm -hmm. complicated and it's long and it's not a friend's episode, no matter how much I wanted it to be. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right, right. I mean, wouldn't it be so nice if it all just figured itself out in 30 minutes, but it doesn't. And it's not. And just like you said, with a bow on top, it is not tied up neatly with the bow. And mm. I, we may find consolation or resolution. And maybe sometimes it's just coming to terms with where we're at, but it's never neat. And mm. as I think back on my cute little story, if I just focus on the mountaintops, if that's the only thing I strive for, the mountaintops with God, mm. then I'm really missing out and others are missing out on like what happens before the climb. Like what happens before the mountain? We really experience God in different ways at each of those stages. So could you tell us about another one of those hard moments then? Girl, I knew you you were going to say that. So, wow. Well, life is bebopping along. I'm working. Danny's working. I'm on staff at Life Church. And life is great. Our marriage is pretty good. I have kids. I don't want to throw a plate at my ex's head. So like, <laughs> yeah, like good. <laughs> right? Like things are good. And I get pregnant with my third mm-hmm. child. So I had Aiden and um, Ava is our sweet daughter that we had about a year after we got married. And I'm, I, oh, this is hard for me to talk about. So I get pregnant and this was about seven years ago. And I'm so excited, right? Like I'm, mm-hmm. 
telling my close friends. I'm telling my family. We know it's a boy. And a couple months go by. And I just got this really terrible feeling that something was wrong. And it got so bad that I didn't even want to go to the doctor, which is really mm. bad if you're pregnant. Like you, <sighs> you need to go to the doctor if you're pregnant. Uh, so I make the appointment and I go to the doctor and I, I almost knew what they were going to say. Hmm. And my husband's in the room and they, they tell me that my son had passed. So oh, I know it's, I remember what the doctor says. He gets, of course, there's all this busyness when the doctor's doing an ultrasound and mm-hmm. it's all this flurry of activity. And then everything just went silent. And he says, I'm so sorry. Hmm. And I just remember those words. I'm so sorry. And I know this doctor, he's a fantastic doctor. And I could just tell his shoulders slump and, and the nurse, she consoles me. And it's like, everything just shut down, like just shut off. Like Hmm. I couldn't think anymore. I wasn't feeling, I wasn't processing really what was happening. And I'm not a doctor by any means or a scientist, but I feel like Obviously, it was trauma. And I think my body, my mind did what it could to seal off that moment in time and compartmentalize it just to keep going. I couldn't process it. What, what do you say when someone tells you that your child has just passed away and mm. that this person is no longer <laughs> in the world, right? Mm. I, I was so shocked, I guess, that I literally went to work the next day. Like I, oh, I was so, gosh. I know, I know. Like looking back, like, oh girls, send this girl home, seriously. But I was just so stuck in the routine that I just went to work and people are like, of course, like, what are you doing here? I'm so sorry. And, and the people that I directly work with knew my bosses mm-hmm. and the ladies I work with, they came up and hugged and they're crying. And it was, it was like I was outside my body, right? Mm-hmm. Like it. I went through all the motions. I said, I'm I'm sure I said the right things. And it was just all a blur. And then I physically had to, had to go home since the actual process of miscarrying is very much like having a baby just without the joy. So really hard moment, really hard time, not even a moment. I mean, the actual moment was hard, I think, but it was all those moments afterwards that were really hard to get through. And so life happens, life goes on. As we know, when those moments happen, like time doesn't actually stop. It just feels like Mm. it does. And a few weeks go by and my boss is Pastor Craig. And um, Pastor Craig emails me a draft of a manuscript. The email said something to the effect of, I started to write you a letter of encouragement and I think it turned into a book. (laughs) Wow. I know. Like that's like the kindest thing anybody could do. Like I wrote you a book and I, okay, first off, I need to say this. It is incredibly kind to send somebody who's going through something, a letter or a card. Hmm. Like personally, I don't like crying in front of people. Like when someone tries to encourage me in person or they like get deeply emotional. I just get weird and I'm like, I don't know what to do with my face. So like, just side note, if someone who is going through something, like send them an email or a card or some flowers or something that doesn't require that they fix their face in front of you. You know what I mean? When I was ready to talk about it, 
the people mm-hmm. in my office, the people I work with, the loved ones in my close circle, they just sat in this space with me. They mm-hmm. didn't feel the need to fill the space. They just sat in this space with me. Thank you for sharing that. So can you let us in on that moment after you receive Hope in the Dark? He gives you the space to read that. <laughs> right. What happens next? Hey, it's Jason. So maybe you're listening and you can relate to Adrian's story. Or maybe there's someone you care about who's going through a tough time. Maybe you're just wondering really tough questions like, can God be good when life is not? Or why does God let bad things happen to good people? Or where is God when life hurts? And it's okay to wrestle with those questions. And it's okay to know that there's still hope. My pastor, Craig Groeschel, developed a whole message series, life group study, a book, and a Bible plan called Hope in the Dark. And you can find all of it at www.life.church forward slash hope in the dark. So I read this manuscript and it is a book basically. (laughs) I'm like, so it took me some time and the lights just started to come back on. It wasn't like they clicked, they were back on and everything's perfect and rosy again. It's Hmm. just... It felt like life was on a dimmer and God just slowly turned the dial up after I read it. And actually, actually, the title of it originally, I'll tell you a little secret, was I want to believe because quite honestly, Allie, I didn't Hmm. like I didn't stop believing Hmm. in God. It wasn't a crisis of faith, but I stopped believing God. Like I stopped believing Hmm. that God had my back. I stopped believing Mm. that my body was for me and that it hadn't Mm. turned against me. I stopped believing in my sanity at times. It all just stopped. (laughs) And although Hope in the Dark was eventually chosen as the title, to me, it will always be, I want to believe because I did. I did Mm. want to. I just needed to relearn how to. So I read it. And in the following years, years, Hmm. years, not months, I start to come back, right? That that dimmer just starts to get a little brighter. All the areas of my mind, my body started to waken. I started to work out again. I started to Hmm. try to connect my body back to my mind because there was this weird time where I just didn't trust my body. And it's hard to hear, probably. I'm able to say it now, but it's hard to hear that I really thought that my body killed my baby. And so my mind to protect itself, it like shut the body off. And so I had to go do the hard work of building that bridge again and to trust my body again. And honestly, a few years after the the miscarriage, my husband and I went through a little dip in our marriage. It wasn't really bad, nothing crazy. We just, Hmm. we weren't talking. We were just dancing around the subject of grief. And this is years after, right? We went to counseling for a while and we did some really hard work, some really uncomfortable sessions, Mm. but we revived our ability to talk about it. And so I'm going to backtrack a little bit. A few months after losing my son, I got pregnant and it was a girl. So I got pregnant again and everyone was so excited for me, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Rightly so. Like life is wonderful, right? Celebrate. But emotionally and mentally, it was really hard for me to process being pregnant with a baby 
when I was still mourning the loss of another baby, Mm -hmm. right? Like, like my son's due date came and went and alone I celebrated. Anytime I tried to talk about it with anyone, I I couldn't string the words together enough for it to make sense. Like, Mm -hmm. I couldn't say what was in my mind because it sounded crazy to me, right? Like my body killed my baby. Like who says that? Mm -hmm. And everybody's so happy for me and I want them to be happy, right? I couldn't talk about it because I didn't want to make everyone around me as sad as I was. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's like the letter he wrote me, a book, really, (laughs) the book he gave me, it revived me in a way that it gave me the ability, then the permission to be mad at God, Mm. right? And to be sad with what happened. And ultimately to know that I wasn't alone, no matter how much I tried to isolate myself, I was never actually alone. It helped me to realize that God is for me, right? Mm -hmm. On the mountaintop and in that valley, at the base of the mountain, wherever I'm at, God is with me. It gave me the ability to be more confident in myself. Mm -hmm. And when I'm talking to others, I let my mess out a little bit. I shared it and, and like people didn't reject me. (laughs) You know, my life group wasn't like, get out of here. How can you be hurting? It actually Mm -hmm. was very, it was a catalyst for a very cathartic time. And I turned to my friends, I turned to my life group, I turned to my family. And although I still couldn't find the right words, Mm -hmm. I could just talk about it. Even if even if it didn't make sense, even to me, you know. I love your story because it reminds me that we don't just get to fast forward to Mm. when everything is better again. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I am tempted to do all of the time. I'm tempted to just be like, this is really hard. I don't really want to deal with that. So can I just be healed (laughs) now and avoid the hurt in the middle? (laughs) So true. And I just think it's so cool that we just discover how gracious God is and how gracious other people are. And they're often way kinder to us than we are to ourselves. Isn't that the truth? Like I would never tell somebody like, you're too crazy because you're talking about your son that's passed away. Like what? I would never say to that to somebody who is sharing their heart. And so like, I can't believe I thought that people would say that to me. I do that too. I think it's just common. We're just not as kind for ourselves. (laughs) It's so true. (laughs) I love that people gave you space to just process this and to not be okay. And so why do you think that it's important for us to not just skip over the hurt and just Mm. give ourselves and others permission to not be okay? That's a great question. So all of Mm. us at some point are in a messy middle. You know, if you look over your life, I'm sure it hasn't been one mountain that you've climbed. And no. I can, right? And I can guarantee you'll have more ahead. And it hasn't been one, one valley you've walked through. Yeah. And I mean, you'll have more ahead. I hate to break it to yeah. you. <laughs> and now it's like almost cliche to say, like, it's okay to not be okay. But like, really, it's true. It's also mm. okay to be happy. And at, and at peace or mad or whatever you want to feel in the moment, especially while you're grieving. That's mm. good. So Adrian, I know you and I think that <laughs> you are one of the most joyful people that I've oh, ever been around. Oh man. But you've experienced a lot of really hard things. And mm, so how yeah. do you think that you've been able to have hope in the middle of the dark things that life has thrown at you? This is not the only dark thing that I've gone through, right? Like, I wish Mm -hmm. it wasn't so, but we live in a broken world. Mm -hmm. And just like I said earlier, I'm going to have probably valleys ahead. It's not pessimism. It's just reality. And 
It's been seven years since the loss of my son. And I am still working through it, right? Like mm. grief like never really leaves you. Like it gets smaller and maybe more manageable as time moves on. But some days, like some days that grief will expand and clamor for attention, right? Like some days that grief seven years later will sit on my chest until I cannot even breathe. Mm-hmm. I am still working through the grief from my past, but God is always with me. He mm-hmm. never has left me. Mm-hmm. He has never forsaken me. He's been with me my whole life, no matter what part I'm in, like the valley, the base, the mountain. And after seven years of walking with this grief, I've had time to really review that period of my life, right? And mm-hmm. Many times in those moments, it was up to me. Like, would I be able to get off the couch that day? Would Mm. there be a time that I would love my body again? Would I have the bravery to tell people that I'm not brave? Like that I wasn't okay, right? Mm -hmm. And after getting pregnant again, so many people lovingly and with great intentions would placate me by saying, I'm so happy for you. You deserve this. You have a rainbow baby. And I know they were well-meaning and I know they're positive, but what is not kind to do to someone in pain is to try to push them back into comfort, right? Mm. It's not helpful. It's not wise. And I know that they mean, well, we all, like myself included, like I love to be comfortable, (laughs) I don't want to be in pain. I don't want the people I love to be in pain. Like we talked about earlier, we all want a bow on it. We all want it to be a Friends episode that after 30 minutes, everything's resolved and everyone's happy and the credits roll in and a jazzy song plays. Like that's Mm -hmm. not life. That's not life. Having a new, sweet, beautiful baby that I love did not make the pain lessen from the loss of my son. And the hardest thing to do for someone and for yourself is to sit with hurt. I love that you gave us permission that even after we've gone through the Mm. pain, that it's okay for it to still be painful. Because I think that I do not think about that often. I'm like, oh, this thing happened to me like a year ago, so I should be fine now, right? No, girl. No, uh, no, no. It's hard though. Because you like, you kind of, think to yourself like, oh, I should be over this by now. But I'm not over some things that happened when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Mm, like it's and yeah. that's okay. Like it's just grief and it's the messy middle. It's just sometimes it's not neat and clean. So I am thinking about all of the people who are probably in their own messy middle right now. Oh yeah. Maybe it's a college kid who just graduated and the job mm. market is not ideal and they're not sure what they're gonna do. Or people who are struggling with anxiety or depression, or maybe it's just somebody who is in a season of waiting and they just Mm. have no idea what the outcome is going to look like. What encouragement would you give to anybody who just feels like they're in the dark? First off, let me say this. We are definitely made to be in a community, however that looks. I would encourage everyone to share in the space of that community, your life group, your circle of friends. But when you are dealing with deep brokenness, I would strongly recommend having a counselor help you to navigate that pain and to set a plan on how not to feel hopeless. There's people out there who are living this right now. 
So I'm just going to say this to you, whatever you're doing right now while listening to this podcast, whether you're driving your car or you're washing your dishes or you're sitting with friends, or if you're in a room with strangers, our paths might never cross. We may never meet, but the grip of grief ties us uniquely together. What you are going through right now is not going to break you. I know it feels like it is, but I promise you it isn't. I know that this life feels really overwhelming right now. I know that this grief is sitting on you and you can hardly breathe, but I promise you, you will get through this. When the grief gets too big, that you can hardly stand it. And the thought of living with this pain or with this confusion is just too much to bear. My advice would be to make it smaller. If the day is too long and you literally don't think you can make it another 24 hours, just think about the next hour. Can you make it through this next hour? And if that is too much, make it smaller. Can you make it through this next minute? Can you hang in there for this next minute? And I'm telling you, if you can't make it another minute, make it smaller until you can, until you are in the moment. In this moment, you are making it. You are breathing and the grief hasn't won. You've just created a space for yourself in this moment that is safe. And in this space that you've created is truth and honesty and love and patience. And if no one has told you today, I'm telling you that you matter, that you are worthy and you are loved and I love you and you are accepted. So exist in this safe moment until you can make it a minute. And then in time, you'll make it an hour and then a day and a week and a month all these small moments are building your endurance and hopefully your faith. And this is where the growth happens. Right now, you just want to punch someone in the face that says, there is purpose in your pain. But I promise you sometime in the future, you will realize that you do have purpose and you do have hope. You are stronger than you think. You are more capable than you think. And this will not be the thing that breaks you. Adrian, the words I wrote for you, these were the words that ministered to me. The words God gave to me for somebody else were words that God had for me. What if honestly acknowledging your doubts is your first step toward building a deeper faith? What if embracing your secret questions opens the door for a maturing knowledge of God's character? What if drawing closer to God Developing genuine intimacy with Him requires you to bear something that feels unbearable. To hear Him through an ominous utterance. To trust Him in the moment of doom. To embrace His strength when you're weak with a burden. What if it takes real pain to experience deep and abiding hope?
So what I love so much about Adrian is that she's authentic, she's joyful, but she doesn't skip the middle, which is what I am often very tempted to do. Instead, she found God in the middle and not just in her answered prayer, but in the moments when she didn't know what was going to happen next. And so it reminds me of Psalm 46.1 when it says, God is our refuge, our ever-present help in time of trouble. Okay, so can I like try to go on a thought just journey here for a second? Sure. My mind likes to try to think of it like the big, big, big picture. So in the beginning of everything... We're taking it right back. Seriously. Okay. God is about to make the world, right? It says it's dark and formless and void. and There's nothing in it. But he's there, right? Right. So should we be surprised that when our life feels dark and formless and void, that God's there? Of course there's hope in the dark. This is how it all started. It all started in the dark. And then God added goodness and life and light. And all of those things came from him. Hmm. So, I mean, I'm just like having these thoughts right now. But like when we go through this stuff that feels like, you know, the valley of the shadow of death, Hmm. maybe we're experiencing what it was like when things were formless and void. But we just need to remember God's there too, right? God's Hmm. in it too. And he can create so much goodness and light and hope and joy in those dark places. Hmm. And I love how Adrian just like asks us to hold on, hold on for a minute. It will eventually get better. I think that's just such a kind reminder. Hmm. That's good. I've never thought about it like that before, but that's really helpful to think about. And Adrian actually wrote, a whole blog post about this at finds.life.church. And I think that her words sum it up best. So I'm just going to leave us with hers. When I look back over my life, this hasn't been the only valley God's walked me through. And I suspect it won't be the last. I keep onward forward into a deeper faith. Today, I can say that my relationship with him is stronger and I'm secure in him both in the valley and on the mountain. Every day I choose hope and believe that God is good even when life isn't. If you're in the middle of a trial right now, here are some things to keep in mind when choosing to hope amid life's darkness. It's okay to question. It's okay to cry out to God. It's okay to share your grief with others. It's okay to wait and listen. You will get through this. I really like that. So in your life groups this week and with your friends and family, will you just reflect and talk about this question? How can I come to God and others in the middle of pain? And how can I provide a safe place for others who are struggling? Hey, thanks so much for listening to the You've Heard It Said podcast. We hope these won't just be inspiring stories you hear, but that you'll be inspired to take action in your own story. So talk about it with others. And we've got you covered with a conversation guide in the show notes with all the questions and resources you'll need. We'd love it if you'd leave us a rating and a review. It really does help more people to find these incredible stories. Also, we're looking for more stories. If you or someone you know has a story of a way God has changed your life, would you just send it to us at www.life.church forward slash my story.